What's up, nerds? Welcome to the second issue of Comictated, presented by Nerdables and sponsored by Earth 2 Comics. Let the nerds take over! Us? Huh? So we're here at Earth 2 Northridge, and we have uh, picked up our books, our DC Rebirth books, and Sebastian and I are going to continue to talk about the new DC Rebirth event. This week's got four titles, uh, two green titles, Green Arrow and Green Lantern, but we're going to cover Batman and Superman. The two big heavy hitters are out in the first week, and Sebastian and I have have read our copies, and we're here to tell you what we think. We're going to be as spoiler-free as possible. Um, there's no big reveals in either of these books, unlike last week's right. rebirth number one. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we'll give you a general sense of kind of what's going on and what we thought about it. So we picked Batman and Superman as our picks for this week. And, uh, you want to cover Batman first or Superman first? Uh, let's start, let's start off medical. Let's go Batman. All right, let's do Batman. So we've read Batman. This is, um, the rebirth special, not the number one that's coming out in a few weeks, but it's got the same, uh, the writer's the same Tom King, who's also has a writing assist from Scott Snyder. I think it's Snyder's kind of concepts. As uh, as King takes over, and the artist is Mikhail. What's the last Mikhail name? Mikhail Janin. Janin. I, I hope think we're not so. butchering his name. Yeah, J A N I with the little apostrophe little, thing yeah. on it. N. Um, colors by June Trung, and yeah, um, Tom King is the writer for the upcoming Batman Rebirth number one, which is something I'm really excited about. I actually like Tim King a lot, so he's also the writer here. So Sebastian, you actually read it a little bit before I did. What did you think? I actually liked it. It was a solid story. They didn't uh, go overboard trying to trying to lay out different mistakes or trying to correct any previous timeline or new timeline stuff. This was a solid Batman story, and it follows Batman and Duke from the We Are Robins book. Yeah, I like the way they, they actually introduced Duke just sort of like as is. Yes, I, a, I appreciated that. It wasn't a heavy-handed, this is Duke. He's from We Are Robins. He's one of the many Robins that has... You know, taking that mantle in terms of the city for for Gotham. Instead, he's it, it's a a really kind of passive introduction for him. And one of the things that I really liked about his introduction is it mentions his parents who have been affected by the Joker Endgame virus. Yes, from about a year and a half ago. So it's uh, just a, a nice point in there that says, "Hey, the New Fifty Two happened. The pieces that you've been reading for the last couple of years have happened. This is one of the lasting effects of it is that the Joker Endgame virus that was released in Gotham has affected some of the characters that you know. So I really liked that part of it. Was it was good, call- yeah, good callbacks. Superman and Batman both had really good callbacks to previous stories that did happen in their own special ways. And I do, I did appreciate very much that. I didn't read much of We Are Robins, but right away I was like, is he the guy from We Are Robins? And I remember asking you that. Yeah. And But even if you didn't know, it's it's, it's subtle enough. Yeah, it's just enough to go, oh, and if you're interested with him, then you can go find um, his, his earlier appearances in that book. But I, I always appreciate when it's not something that either in the dialogue sounds really heaven-handed, hey, you're Duke, you're a member of the We Are Robin clan, right. you did this or that, it, it, and not a... a um, it doesn't use an omniscient narrator in it at all either. It doesn't use the text boxes. So without that um, heavy handedness, it's just a kind of a simple, it, it's him. And it's kind of a, to me, it's like trusting the reader to be able to, to, to follow what's going on. Yes. Yeah. It didn't uh, hold your hand with like, this is Duke. This is, he's from this book. I appreciated that you don't even get his name in the first few pages. I know that's going to throw a lot of people off, but I, I definitely enjoyed like, okay, 
he's like, hey, I'm here about the job. He's talking to Alfred and then he's led into the Batcave and it's sort of a mystery like, who is this guy? Batman's just taking him into his underground lair. And then we get his backstory and that's sort of like, oh, okay, he's a character from another series. And it comes through a really natural dialogue, too, with him and and Bruce. And um, yeah, because like in the beginning, you don't not exactly sure who he is. And I think that's a good thing for people who may not. You know, all of these books are, are ostensibly DC is hoping that they're books that a lot of readers that haven't been following DC for the last five years pick up and they're able to uh, kind of balance that scale of rewarding the readers that have been sticking with DC, but also bringing the readers that that haven't back into it and giving them new characters that might have a bit of a mystery to them. Cause really, I mean, we don't always want everything explained right away. You know, it's sort of like the beginning of a film where people are like, who's that guy? What's going on? I'm like, just wait, just finish yeah, the film the and movie. let it go through. Yeah. Watch what, the movie. So we'll see like what's going to happen. So I really like that. Yeah, it is a, it's a, it's a Batman gets a slight reset to its new status quo, um, which actually started in Snyder's story. Anyway, the last story where Bruce Wayne had been, uh, after Joker Endgame, where he was an amnesiac and had no idea he was right. Batman. Um, the end of that story, obviously Bruce is back as, as Batman spoilers. Uh, but, um, so there's already been in the Batman book itself sort of a reset to this new status quo that they've, you know, Bruce is still Batman. There's still a Robin. There's still a Batcave. There's still Wayne Manor. And you're introduced to all those pieces here. The, the cave looks awesome again. Um, I actually really like Mikhail Janin's art. I've his never seen anything his that he's art's really good. It reminded me very much of uh, of. Uh, Greg Capullo's artwork. It's it's very close to Greg Capullo's, but with but still being unique enough. Yeah, I think it's got more grit than Capullo's. He's got the kind of soft lines that I really like, but I felt that especially um, uh, the villain that we're introduced to, we're not introduced to, but the, the major part of the story is Calendar Band right here on the second page, and it's got a, a gritty style. It's almost like um, Sorrentino. Sorrentino, yeah, it's got a little, and they're using the, they're using the Arkham, uh, the Arkham Asylum, uh, game series design for Calendar Man, although he's not that version, I was kind of, I, I know me, I love the Arkham Knight games, or Arkham, Arkham Asylum, and I was hoping that Calendar Man would sort of go to that Paul Dini-esque, you know, kooky calendar serial killer, making him very creepy, but basic plot for the book, Calendar Man is releasing spores on the city, and the opening is Batman stopping him. And through the book, he's sort of trying to foil that plan. So this is going to be a calendar man uh, story arc for the next few issues by the feel of it. They also gave calendar man an interesting power. He didn't really need one before, but it was fascinating. A gimmick. They gave him a, a power gimmick like a lot of the Batman villains tend to have. And it wasn't uh, it wasn't. It didn't feel too ridiculous. It was interesting enough. No, I mean, based on the villains that he's already got. I mean, he has a guy made out of clay. He has a guy yeah. who's a crocodile. Bat, a living bat and yeah. man bat. A living bat and man bat. So I think it, it, it helps to have Calendar Man have kind of a... In, in, you're talking about a character that, that in the game is creepy. It's kind of a, a creep-tastic sort of thing. Yeah, so, the, they gave him a creepy yeah. power versus giving him a creepy killing style like in the yeah, games. Yeah. And I, I think it worked. I, I was I was worried like, like okay, so they're talking about his new power. But then I go, okay, they're, they're doing something interesting with it. And I kind of like, I kind of like the, the attachment to, to the, to the gimmick of immortality. Yeah. And also the fact of seasons as well. So, yes. you know, definitely they're playing on the idea of the calendar, um, reading Scott Snyder's Batman throughout the new 52. And, and I like Snyder a lot. Um, some of the best Batman stories have been Snyder's both in the new 52 and his brilliant black mirror yes. story through detective just before the end of new 52. 
But one of the things that Snyder does is there's a lot of dialogue in yes. his issues. There's a lot of, of there's a lot of words, and it's a good thing. But in here, even though Snyder is listed as the co-writer, there, it's very succinct in here. Yes, um, you go from scene to scene very quickly. The transition, and I enjoy this. The transition is very quick. It's not, you know, it's going through this sort of days, and you just get. Um, not sort of days, going through days, like days of the week. Uh, and it's just presented to you, matter of the fact, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And even from scene to scene within that day is is kind of a quick jump. We see Alfred in the very first page, you know, in the backyard picking uh, avocados. avocados, which I guess is avocados on the East Coast. I always think of it as a California. It's a California, thing. yeah, California, Mexico. Um, but I guess, I mean, I guess right, you, you know, can grow think, them anywhere, yeah. Think, yeah. Uh, but then... You know, he gets the, the, the doorbell rings on his pager or cell phone or whatever. And he, there he's right at the door. We don't have him walking through the, the mansion or turning around or doing whatever. It's That's kind of the feel through the rest of it. It's it's not a... It's I don't well want to say it's a jump cut, but it's it's nicely well paced. I said the back the Batcave looks awesome. Yeah, the Batcave goes back to looking like the classic Batcave, but it yeah. uh, but it feel it has that Arkham game twist. Yeah, the, it's, the, got, it's got some steel. of those pieces. It's got the, the, the Bat carousel. I noticed they put the, uh, the tumbler, the tumbler in there. It's got the uh, the tyrannosaur, which I'm yeah, happy with. Tyrannosaurus. Two fingers on the tyrannosaurus, by the way. Yes. So that's nice. It's also got the Joker card in the yeah. background. And as a as a Dino nut, I always look for that. Like everyone, get, everyone here is mad because Moon Moon uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. And I'm like the Devil Dinosaur is not a T Rex. Yeah, it yeah, it's got three fingers. It can't three fingers be a T Rex. No, so I always meant that. So a solid start. I, I like I said, I think it's it, it's a different. St- style than Snyder's it's less deliberate yes um so it felt like a good beginning it felt like a, a really good beginning like it wasn't it didn't try to be more than what it was to me like it's like I said it sets it up but it's not some gigantic overarching you know trying to take pieces from all over Gotham and these sort of things I think it's just kind of letting itself play itself out so right definitely, and they didn't they didn't overstay the sort of the ticking clock narrative of yeah. we gotta we gotta go we have 15 minutes and we gotta go to this place and disable this thing and then move on to the next place yeah so there's I, two there's two great moments of bruce being like bruce like super fit and crazy you know almost as as close to super powered as a human can be in terms of endurance and strength and what have you it's nice little pieces again that it's not something where it's presented to you as is that the way that he he's better than the average human being um, is just laid out in the story right. rather than, than told to you. Right. They didn't do a like, ah, this is Bruce Wayne, man about town and Olympic athlete. Yeah. There's a lot of show versus tell in this, which yes. is uh, when, when you're in comics, it's a great thing to do to be able to show it instead of telling you it. So I, uh, it was a solid start. I, solid. I like, I like Tom King a lot. His, his vision has been fantastic for Marvel. Um, He's also worked on Grayson, which was really, really good. And he's a fascinating person as well. He seems like a like yeah. An he's a really person. fascinating Just guy. He was great media. on the uh, yeah the DC Rebirth panel that they had at WonderCon. He was hilarious. So I'm I'm really jazzed to see somebody else take over the Batman title. Now Snyder is doing All Star Batman at the end of summer, so we'll still have Snyder doing Batman as well. And so we're not really losing anything, but we're gaining something and having right. Tom and and it. he's got a hand in it, so I feel like he is capable of like here's an outline, do what you want. Yeah, it's like a, a setup for yes. It. He seems like the kind of person who's willing to let you sort of like okay, here's what I want, but you know, go do your story and we'll talk about it. 
it doesn't feel uh, very heavy handed in in the Scott Snyder. Yeah. And, and again, it's like we like Scott Snyder, but like I said, the, the, the zero year arc, it's so long. It is long, you know, and, and they're the beginning and the end. I really like the middle just kind of started to get to that point where you're like, OK, let's, it drags. Let's, yeah, let's, it drags. Scott Snyder it drags a little. Yeah. Yeah. Scott Snyder um, has a reputation of sort of taking things a little bit farther than necessary. Yeah. And I, I I don't think that's necessarily a downfall of his of his ability. To no, I mean, stories. obviously, he's been obviously incredibly he's great, popular. Yeah. But I think it is sort of that like like an Achilles heel of like you've given me so much information. Yeah, I, we've seen that his I think the stuff he's most successful on is when he gets into that six, six to eight yes. kind of arc thing. You know, Quarter Owls really is the first six issues. And then there's there's another set of Quarter Owls issues afterwards. And um, um, Black Mirror is like six and six. The Joker, the first one, Death of a Family, yeah. is small. Endgame is small. And those have proven to be, like, his most popular with fans. So, uh, And Tom King, I think, will be able to to kind of continue that sort of length. He's got a sensibility yeah, to, I think for so. Batman I and the Batman so. universe. So it's really cool. And, uh, yeah, so the first one out of the box, I mean, the Batman one's important. If you get the Batman one wrong, you're putting yourself right. behind the eight ball. So um, it was a book that you... you <laughs> going into it, you're like, God, just don't be bad. Right. No, and there was no reason to think it would be. So, but, but reading it, it was like, I was even surprised even more by how, how much I enjoyed it with all the expectations having going into it. It was solid. It was solid. It was yeah. solid. It, I, it didn't feel like uh, it missed a beat. It was, it was telling the story it needed to tell without being overly into the Batman universe. It's definitely an issue for first timers who have an idea of who Batman is and for lapsed readers, like, let's just sort of get back into what Batman means. Yeah, and I like the fact that they, they're using a villain that isn't one of the classic pantheon. You know, it's not right. Two-Face, it's not Penguin, it's not Joker, it's not Harley Quinn. Um, no, they're using even, Calendar Man. Yeah, Calendar Man is, is someone, it, not the Riddler, it's not even, you know, Killer Croc or people that are out there. You have a character, a villain in, in Calendar Man that I think a lot of people just don't really know about. They don't know, yeah. And it's, Which is it, cool. Yeah. So even for, if you're a big fan like I am, like, I know of Calendar Man, but I couldn't tell you... Yeah, there's a no story that he's a huge part of, even Long Halloween, because everyone expected it to be him. They right. eliminate him as a as a suspect so quickly. Uh, almost was like, yeah, this is this. It's so obvious that there's no way that 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 yeah. uh, that we're going to do it. Apparently, it's really hot in Gotham. Too. It is. Yeah, there was, yeah, that was there was one. There was one. The one point in the book, Lucius Fox is talking to Bruce Wayne and he's like, uh, Mr. Wayne, I, you know, I don't have time to stand out here. It's 137 degrees. I'm going to go inside and take a drink. You take time. You do what you need to do. And I was like, OK, that's kind of a funny joke. But then a couple a couple pages in uh, Bruce talks about how Calendar Man is is literally changing the weather and seasons in Gotham. So the joke turned into like, oh, my God, 137 degrees. He could still be facetious. Sure, he could be. But it was one of those things that but it's, a, it's so once a, they it, mentioned so direct too, he was you know, changing of, the weather like, yeah. oh, it's 137 degrees. There, there's probably a lot of dead people in parts <laughs> of town with no water access and no air conditioning. You better, speed this up, Batman. Yeah. Speed this up. I feel bad for the people of Gotham. You need to get out there. And then he does. And then he does. And he goes and saves the day. But <laughs> 
because you were we, uh, you were with me when you were reading it, yeah. and it just like stopped you in your tracks. And I just thought it was funny. Like literally, people are dying. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm reading a book about a man dressed as a bat, and the the thing that Which stopped you, me in my tracks was 137 degrees in Gotham, and there's no dead people. And my first thought too is like, what if it's Celsius? Wait, that's worse. That's that's, <laughs> that's even much, worse. Much worse. That's the streets will be boiling with the asphalt. We're on so, we're on Mercury now. Yeah. So just a little nitpick from Sebastian. Yeah. You don't want to go through the whole thing without having Sebastian nitpick yeah. something. And I, but it's also it's also something funny, and I, I would rather poke fun at myself and how I was like, yeah. wait, 137 degrees, then not mention it and, and, and not yeah, have those, a joke. Yeah, those weird things that bother you. You know, you, yes. you see just a terrible film, and there's that one piece in there. You're like, but wait, that doesn't. That doesn't make any sense. Why did the CIA let Bane on the plane in yeah. Dark Knight Rises? <laughs> Didn't they do background checks on their passengers? He was wearing a mask. Well, you know. They just let masked men on their private planes. Well, yeah, he's being he's a prisoner transfer. Oh, okay. Or something. Maybe they just wanted to listen to his, his the sweet tones the of The dulcet tones of Sean Connery. And, uh, we'll be headed into some turbulence now. I, I think all pilot captains are Bane. Now they're Bane. Thinking it's they're Bane. <laughs> Every captain I've ever had on an American Airlines flight is actually it, it's Bane. It's Tom Hardy in his Bane mask. Tom Hardy flies every plane every in America. Plane. <laughs> he can do it. He can do it. Uh, passengers are going to go. What did he say? I think we're dying. All the masks dropped. Yes. We're dying. We love the masks. So we have one big hitter in Batman. Let's go to the other one. Well, really, two of the three. The uh, other the the triumvirate. Yeah. Yeah, the other part of the the other corner of the Trinity. The other, yeah, the other corner of the, tr- the Trinity. The recent star of the brilliant and wonderful Batman versus Superman, Superman movie. Um, the Superman Rebirth. Uh, it's written by uh, Peter Tomasi. And I believe Patrick Gleason gets a story credit in here, too, as I try to find the credit page. Stalling for time, because I don't want to get it wrong. There it is. Uh, yeah, Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason is a storyteller. Doug Mankey is a penciler. Uh, Jamie Mendoza is an inker. And Will Katana as a colorist. I really like Doug Mankey, too. So I, was I do. Super I liked his art in this. Doug Mankey's one of those guys that... When I first saw his art, I liked. It. I was like, "This is this is terrible. This is dumb. This is." Uh, it, it take, but it, I keep reading it. It takes getting used and to. I'm like, "Wait, wait. This is this is actually really good. Yeah, I really like this. I had the same thing with. Um, I always love telling the story with Mike Magnolia. Yeah, when he did X Force number eight as a fill in. So you're sitting here like, dude, Rob Liefeld's so cool. I love Rob. And then you get number eight. Like, what is this crap? This is stupid. This is terrible. Look at this Look proper this, composition. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's like all these extra lines and it's all dark and this is dumb. And I'm, I'm going to read this again. I'm going to. This is this is really good. Once By the time I got to Hellboy, I'm like, my God, this guy is fantastic. Doug Mankey had a, had a run on, J, on Justice League. And it was sort of the same thing. Uh, when uh, the title that started with Morrison, I can't remember who was writing it when he was. I think it was Joe Casey when Mankey took over. And I was like, I don't know if that style's right for Justice League, but man, those are some great, great yeah. issues. It, it's our take that takes getting used to, but he knows when to punch it up and he yeah. knows when to tone it down. Yeah, there's a little bit of it. And speaking of toning it down, I mean, it's not as heavy as his usual, uh, right, his right. usual when style. When you look at his Green Lantern stuff, that's when you sort of get the 100% yeah. Doug Monkey. And yeah, there's there's the, the lines in this uh, are, are a little bit cleaner. They're, they're a little, um, I mean, the, the page where he's he's up against Doomsday, and we'll tell you why in a minute, uh, the flashback sequence, it, it's not as, uh, you know, the lines, it's almost Ethan Van Siver when you It's almost, it's it. almost, yeah. and, you know, the help of a good inker and a good colorist. Yeah, yeah really, a really good style. I like the colors in this, too. I love yeah. Lana's hair in this. Rich, very rich colors, yeah. and I think Superman is a book that needs 
very rich, very vibrant colors. Even so, though in the Superman that we're following, he wears a black suit. He's wearing he's wearing the black suit from uh, Death of Superman. From Death of Superman, yeah. So we're we're introduced for those of you that that haven't followed the new Fifty Two Superman. We're going to spoil the end for you. The final days of Superman, as you can probably tell from the title, the sequence that ran through the last few issues of the Superman related titles ends with. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, the death of the new 52 Superman. The fact that he goes completely supernova and turns into ash. It's not just, oh, his body's laying on the ground. Right. So we're introduced here as the character, um, the pre-New 52 Clark slash Superman, the one who was still married to Lois, who had the Convergence storyline has had a child with, yes. with her, is a part of our 52 universe. Right. He was introduced a few issues or a few months ago in yeah, the, the new 52, in the miniseries. Um, they had they had been shunted over into the new 52 universe accidentally. Yeah. And and, and, and he stays. So he, he stays. is a part of this. So we open the book with our, the, the, the Clark that the people know in this world is dead. Yeah, it's, um, a, it's a flashback. Yeah, and so Lana uh, Lang from the new 52 universe, a character that I love because... Superman for me in the New Fifty Two was very difficult. I, I thought he lost more than anybody else. Yes, the the loss of the legacy and the history for him, I thought, just killed that character. Until Greg Pak got a hold of him in right. Action Comics, and is a great story. Um, all of Greg Pak's Action Comics story is is fantastic. The very beginning that he did with Aaron Cooter doing the art, he uses Lana as the narrator, being able to see Clark as Clark. And also as Superman and bring back that sense of wonder of the the superhero. Yes. But also the sense of, uh, I mean, it's almost like, you know, classic family value. I mean, the, the preachy, treachy stuff that he's I down love. Home. Yeah. He's because the down she's known him since guy Volvo. next door, Superman, who wants to help everybody. Yeah. So we open the story with Lana uh, trying to get into the tomb that they have built for the new 52 Superman, who is just Ash. He's been, he, he's, he's, he's literally, he's, he literally is turned to Ash. And in the flashback, we see the crater. They did a little bit of that in rebirth as well, mm -hmm. where they showed the aftermath yeah. of the battle with Superman. Yeah. So we've already seen, and then the character of um, the, the new 52 Superman does show up in that for a second too. the idea that he's, you know, he's grabbing the remains or what have you. And everything is a conversation. And so Clark, the new 52 Clark, is thinking that, or, um, excuse me, the pre-new 52 Clark, classic Clark, if we want to call it that way, believes the new 52 Clark can come back to life just as he did. Right. And then it goes into the story as sort of the differences that he has. And there's a great flashback sequence of his battle with Doomsday. Right. He's, so the, the vehicle for the story is Superman is narrating and talking to Lana Lang. And Lana's like, well, you're wearing Superman's logo. Who are you? And he's like, look, I'm not the Superman. You know, I'm from another world. So using that as a way to like, OK, here's here's the Superman story that everyone needs to know if you don't know the pre-New 52 Superman. Yeah, because they use the, the the Doomsday story encapsulates a lot of what made Superman such a great hero. The idea that he wasn't going to give up no matter the cost um, to finally have a foe that could defeat him. The fear, I mean, he says in here is uh, for the first time I felt fear and dread in the deepest part of, of my soul as I imagined a world without my wife, Lois at my side, my parents and all my friends and co-workers, the citizens of Smallville, uh, the citizens of the city all dead because I failed them. That's the that's the essence of what Clark is. That's what I love about Superman so much. And so it, it re-encapsulates it. It's almost just like Batman. It's sort of a, a, a literal rebirth of what the Superman going forward is going to be because it's not the guy that we've been following for the last five years. That person has expired. He's, he's, 
He's literally turned to ash. He's literally dead, and they they do deal with that, especially if you if you're an old Superman fan and you're coming back to try this. There's uh, great stuff, especially because they deal with the death of this Superman and they kind of do the they kind of get rid of their out for yeah. bringing him back. And they use a lot of the same setups from the death of Superman story in the attempt to bring him back or the wait for him to come back. And they do a great job of showing the changes and the differences between the new 52 Superman and the pre 52 Superman classic Clark and new 52 Clark. With this, See, I the, write I write the new Fifty Two Supermans with the with a five for the S and a two five for the oop, R five oop two man five oop two man. That's how I know I'm dealing with the, the <laughs> new Fifty Two Superman. I just I just saw that transpose letters five oop two man. That's fantastic. Um, but yeah, through this through his his conversation with and the the path that he takes with Lana, which I don't want to give away too much of. It, it, it is an explanation of this is what the New 52 Clark did. This is what pre-52 Clark right. did. They're different people. They're different people. They are very different people. And, and it almost gives him back that the the, the feeling of a, of a man without a world, a man out of right. out of time. Because not only has, has he lost Krypton, he's lost Krypton in another universe. Right. And, and now he's, he's in a universe, yeah. His real home, too. Exactly. Exactly. He's, and so he's the lost. people that he knows. He doesn't know yep. this Lana very early. He says, I know a Lana, but you're not, I'm not the Clark you know, you're not the Lana I know. Right. Um, but there's still a connection there. So Right. And he, that, that, there's a great line in there where he's like, I, I'm happy, I'm happy to know that, that in the universe's Clark and Lana are friends. Yeah, that the, the Clark has a Lana in all the universes. Um, Tomasi and Gleason, Batman and Robin in the New Fifty Two. One of the more underrated titles, if you could have it. Oh, oh my underrated. gosh, yes. One, I mean, all of the attention. Excuse me, all the attention went to Batman's uh, Batman Snyder. Wow, Snyder's Batman. Wouldn't it be great? Batman, Batman, writes, Batman, Batman, Batman writing. So in, in, in the universe, Batman writes a book about Scott Batman, Snyder. About Scott Snyder. All um, the comic books in their world are about a world where things are relatively just, just okay. normal. Yeah. It's like, look at this. He goes to work and nobody knocks down the building. The police this officers actually yeah. stop bank robbers <laughs> and firemen put out yeah, firemen put out fires and there's no, you can look up into the sky and it's not, Hey, dark seats coming with a whole bunch of, right. I can't wait for the next issue of pilot man. When he lands in Memphis, <laughs> Tennessee safely, <laughs> the shuttle comes back to earth. Okay. What? Um, but yeah, Tomasi and Gleason's uh, Batman and Robin. I got on late. I didn't pick it up until I think Court of the Owls as, as the crossover, and followed it from there. The 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 death of a family issues that are not the Batman issues. The Batman and Robin is fantastic. I wanted to see them do a Joker take so much because their Joker was just creeptastic. Right, and that was you know that, you mentioned the Joker, and that's the one interesting thing is that in Rebirth, they mention that there are three Jokers. And that's not much of a spoiler. All we know is that there are because it's just a scene at the computer where Batman is like, that's weird. This is this Joker has been arrested, I believe, is one of them. And it's like, but this one is very different from this one. This one, they yeah. do the new 52 Joker. He doesn't have a face, so he can't be the guy that we stopped here. So they didn't they didn't bring that up at all in this, which is interesting because it's a calendar man story, which I like that they're letting this book have its own time. But. That's something to come back to. Yeah, I think then uh, obviously we're going back to Batman for a second. I think they're going to do the same thing that Snyder said, where he was saving the Joker until he was able to tell that story right. later. And he used the Joker twice and he used it in two ways. He used mm -hmm. one that, that broke up the Bat family and then two in Endgame, the 
insinuation there that there was either more than one Joker or that the Joker was almost like a totem character. Right. Because it, he, it looked like that the Joker had existed for, for know, a very long time. Years. Yeah. And I like that they sort of brought that in with the idea that, OK, there are three Jokers. You know, the idea that like, OK, the Dick Sprang Joker from the 1940s, 1950s. It's like, so if he's here, too, or at least was shunted to a different point in time for them is kind of a fascinating idea that not so much that maybe that the Joker is like in this immortal trickster God or the ideal of a trickster God. But what if the different Jokers from the previous timelines had all been scattered across the history of yeah, the, the rebirth the, DC? Yeah, there's, there's some cool pieces in there without giving you an actual answer. And then right. maybe that, that means that Max Landis's uh, story from Adventures of Superman 14 can be in continuity, too, because yes. it's that great page that shows him in all those different incarnations because people see the Joker in a different way. Yeah, you, however, you, you sort of see the Joker how you want to see the Joker. Yeah. And you, you impart whatever ideal you do. And that's what I kind of liked about this Superman is that is that the idea of legacy and the idea of of a Superman who, OK, I don't have my world anymore. I'm on this one. This world needs a Superman and I'm going to I'm going to be that Superman and I have to try even harder not to let that, people down. Yeah, that's super classic Superman. It, it's when when we talk about Batman and Superman, since we're talking about it here, the differences that I always say with Batman and Superman is that Batman feels like he needs to be Batman and Superman feels like he wants to be Superman. Right. Um, or the other way. No, the other way around. Um, Bruce wants to be Batman. In Superman, Clark feels he needs to be Superman because he has a, a sense of sure, responsibility. Sure. Um, He's got the powers and he wants to be yeah. a good guy. It, it, not that he wants to be. He knows he needs to be. I've always said with Superman, it's one of the reasons that you have to write Superman in a way that people find, quote unquote, boring. Because like, oh, he always does the right thing. Of course he does. He's Superman. As soon as he does the wrong thing, the, the, the story changes because the entire Earth would be trying to stop him. Right. You know, it, it's you can't let somebody be that powerful on your own planet who can crack your planet in half. Unless you trust him to a degree that is that it really is could only exist in comics. Right. Everybody on the planet, save for Lex Luthor, save for, you know, these villains that are like, oh, no one should have this much power. But you want the the, the general population to go. I I believe in him. I trust him. I know he's never going to snap. He's never going to be. You want to you want to sympathize with. Yeah. And you have. But you don't want him to be right. Yeah. Super. That's the genius of Luthor is when you those type of characters, Magneto in in in. Uh, the X-Men where you look at their motivations and what they want to accomplish and you go, yeah, I could, I could see that. They're sympathetic motivations. If you really, if we were really presented with an alien creature that wants to live among us, who has the power to destroy the planet, if he really wants to, we'd be wary of it. We'd all be looking going, this probably shouldn't be here. Yeah. And then when he levels the city of man of steel, you kind of want Lex Luthor to be there. Yeah, You're sort of like, okay. But um, then they did the great uh, Brian Azarella's Lex Luthor man of steel is a great insight into the idea that Lex Luthor is a sympathetic character. He's not wrong in the idea of a man, God on earth who can break the planet. That power needs to be put into check. Right. But then you have a, a guy who is so, so innately good Right. And in check of his own powers and also giving people responsibility over like, look, if I ever do anything wrong, that's, Batman, that's, here's yeah, the that's one of the thing with it is, is that what he doesn't reveal to so many people is that he he um, that Clark admits to himself that he could be a danger. And so he gives himself the out. He puts in the hands of everybody, of other people. If I go nuts, Bruce, Diana. You need to stop kill me. me. You Please need to kill me. me. Not even just stop me. You need to kill me immediately. Right. Use the kryptonite bullet. Diana can hold me. Shoot me in the head, and I'm done. So no, and and, and it's it's an inherent um, 
inherent trait, I think, in that character right. is that he always has to do the right thing. So, again, yeah, he himself I, doesn't believe in absolute power, so yeah. he doesn't feel he deserves to be the only which person is why in he check doesn't. Of it. Yeah, which is why he also doesn't try to change the entire world in one shot. Grant Morrison's right uh, first JLA story with the Hyper Clan. Where they're like, well, we just changed the earth. Look, it's all better. And the JLA is like, we're, that's not our job. But our then, job yeah. is to keep dark side, dark side from blowing up the planet. We're not here to to re, you know to to turn the Sahara into a paradise because we don't necessarily understand what that's going to do one way or the other. And we need humanity to kind of do what they want to do. Right. I'm not one of those people who dislikes the the the, the Blue Boy Scout. I actually really love that about Superman. Like I said, it, I I don't want to relate to Superman. I want Superman to be better than me. Right. Because if I had the power of Superman, I'd be like. Yeah, I don't have to do anything ever right. again. I'm going to be awesome. This is going to be great. So I want this fictional character to literally be a fictional character as someone who is so incredibly good, who is, is all but perfect. Um, and that's also and then, Superman's contradiction is that he is very relatable because it's not the powers yeah. that are relatable. It's who he is yeah. who is relatable. Clark is a very relatable human because being. Because you want to you want to be Clark. I think when you get to the point where you're like, I don't want to be like that. I think we lose something with with that right. sort of thing. Like, we all want to help, and we all want to be able to 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 help. If those. we could help as many people as we could, the interesting thing with Superman is the people around him. How do you re- how do they relate to that character? Um, you know, people are like, well, you can't beat Superman. You can very easily beat Superman. It's usually through the other people that he knows, that the, supporting cast. The so. trials, as Grant Morrison, to paraphrase Grant Morrison, the trials of Superman are not physical trials. They're psychological trials. You can't save everybody, but you have to save somebody. Right. You know, that right. that, that thing. So Yeah, to not try would be a waste of effort and yeah. a waste of ability. So, yeah. So that's the first week of Rebirth. Uh, Green Lantern came out this week. Uh, Jeff Johns and Sam Humphreys with Ethan Van Sire doing the art. Both of us really liked that book. And uh, Green Arrow with uh, Ben Perry and Schmitz, the last name. It's not an artist I recognize. Actually, really like the art in this. The art was really good. Yeah, Otto Schmidt. Um, ben, uh, Benjamin Percy. Percy, I'm sorry, not Perry. Percy. Benjamin Percy. My apologies. Um, he's been writing the book for the New 52 for towards the end of it. So I'm a big Green Arrow fan, so I'm looking forward to this. I have not had a chance to read this yet. So, But just flipping through it, I do like the art in it a lot. And it is nice to see uh, Black Canary, to see Diana back with uh, back in a book with Ollie. I think that's something that was sorely lacking and sorely missing from the New 52. There's two characters that they spent a lot of time trying to get together. You might as well. I would say the, the strong the strongest point of Green Arrow is is the characterization in that book. It's yeah, incredibly solid. Part, so. Yeah. So, yeah. So those are the two books that we're going to talk about this week or that we have talked about this week. We will be back next week with as many Rebirth titles as, as we want to talk about that we really enjoyed. Our picks this week, Batman and Superman, really good. Again, Green Lantern, really good as well. And Green Arrow, um, really love Ollie and, and Diana in it. And uh, all those books are available at your local comic book store. And if you're in the Southern California area or in the Valley, we always, as as we want to say, we want to plug our sponsor, Earth 2 Comics. Earth 2 Comics has two locations, one in Sherman Oaks, one here in Northridge, which is a location that Sebastian and I are uh, uh, recording in at the moment. And um, we're well stocked on Rebirth. Uh, you know, that that uh, get the, um, what did you call it? The disclaimer out of the way. I'm, I actually work for that company. Um, I formerly worked, formerly worked for the company. We, uh, we fired Sebastian a little while ago. Uh, no, there's, there's very few people in my life that I've worked with that are better than Sebastian. So, um, actually, I don't know if I'd say there'd be anybody better. Maybe, no. maybe right on, like you and Mikey. Like, right, oh, right in oh, there. Oh, I appreciate that. Right in there. Maybe Nora, too. Um, but, yeah, we are uh, we are your Rebirth headquarters for Southern California. We like to say that. We still have copies of DC Universe Rebirth number one, and I can tell you no one around here does. 
because people from those shops keep coming in here um, and picking up here. So, yeah, we're still well stocked on these titles. Uh, So, yeah, if you're in the Southern California area, uh, stop by, pick up your Rebirth books um, and let us know what you think of them. If you can comment right on the uh, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever you're, you're listening to us. I don't even know where else Rich puts this. As well, Rich, our producer of our Nerdable section, will actually the one who um, who uploads all of this. Uh, I don't know what else we're on anymore. Zoom, maybe I don't, mm. I don't know. Maybe we're on or we're on MySpace. I think maybe um, MySpace. And then go to the Nerdable's Facebook page or the Facebook page for either Earth Two Comics, uh, Earth Two Comics, or Earth Two Comics Northridge, and let us know what you think of the podcast. Let us know what you think of the books, and we hope to hear from you guys. And for my partner Sebastian, this is Chris saying we will talk to you. Ah!